I confess that uh, Saturday night, I had sex in the front seat of my car with the windows half down and my head sticking out of the (laughs) moonroof and the parking lot of my apartment complex because my mom was sleeping on my couch. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Sex. Almost everybody does it and almost nobody talks about it except at Bedpost Confessions, a live storytelling series based in Austin, Texas. Whether the performers are funny, informative, political, or completely personal, the anonymous confessions from the audience are the stars of every show. Stories heard at Bedpost Confessions explore themes of sexuality, gender identity, dating, marriage, masturbation, breakups, health and wellness, and more. Whether the story is hysterical or downright emotionally raw, we hope Bedpost Confessions will either spark a fantasy or start a conversation, maybe even both. Gender transition in your 20s is a lot like a second round of puberty. Life feels just as awkward and exhilarating at 25 as it did at 15 when you're downing hormones every day. This has been a double-edged sword, sexually speaking. On the one hand, I get to rediscover my sexuality in a body that I'm more comfortable with. However, on the other hand, feeling like an adolescent again means conceding a portion of my life to the whimsies of my hormones. I fortunately don't have to deal with spontaneous awkward boners anymore. (laughs) But my mind is still as distracted by sex as your typical pubescent teenager. And feeding that need in this body is a vastly more complex endeavor. See, as a teenage boy, masturbation was not a mystery. It was simple math. (laughs) Porn plus free time equals orgasm, period. (laughs) I wanted real sex, but I didn't know how to get it. So I delved into the land of fetish pornography to hold me over. Masturbation for me today is completely different. It went from simple arithmetic to calculus and vectors really fucking fast. (laughs) Today, I have toys and play partners and parties, but none of that means very much if I don't understand my own body. So I'd like to share with you what I've learned. I'm going to describe the three types of orgasms that I've experienced in my life. Pre-transition, during transition, and a new type that I can only call divine. Each represents an equally wonderful and troubling stage of my life, and each has transformed the way that I seek and enjoy physical pleasure. But spoiler alert, there's more to an orgasm than just the big O moment. We shouldn't forget that our daily lives affect our sexualities, and vice versa. So, orgasm number one, pre-transition, a.k.a. the bull. I started exploring kinky sex about eight years ago in high school at the age of 17 when I met the first love of my life. We'll call her Jane. Jane was my partner from that time until March of last year, and our relationship was the foundation for both my sexuality and gender identity, among other things. Jane, also a horny, kinky 17-year-old, liked very rough, very painful sex. And I discovered I liked this too. A lot, in fact. (laughs) We both loved and indulged in this kind of sex so much that neither of us ever really thought about doing it differently. I was just a teenage boy, finally getting the crazy kind of sex that I craved from pornography. This experience framed the way that I understood sexual pleasure at the time. It existed to feed a need, a hunger. We'd start by making out, 
kissing like we were trying to consume each other, to devour and possess one another. If I wasn't hard after a few minutes of this, she'd assist by sucking my cock or I would eat her out, both of which usually worked. Sometimes this was just for the joy of sharing pleasure, especially early on in the relationship, but after a while it became more functional, a means to an end. The point was to get hard, to fuck, to come. We were just feeding a need after all. Once I was good, I donned a condom and penetrated her, neither gently nor slowly. We were uneducated and inexperienced in the wonders of sensual sex. In our minds, when violent sex pushed all the right buttons and quickly led to the expected orgasm, why try something boring like slow sex? And so it was always very intense. I used fast, hard, deep thrusts, each one feeling more like the purpose was to crush and dominate rather than explore and please. She couldn't come without some pain, so I would occasionally spank her ass rather hard and with no warm-up, or quickly tease her nipples before outright twisting them in cruel torture. Our sex always ended with me choking her, overloading her brain with stimulation and pleasure, bringing out the most vicious, animalistic side of me. She would come screaming loud enough to scatter birds and set off car alarms. (laughs) And then I would come, moaning and grunting, getting high off this pure physical thrashing of her body and the carnal nature of our lust. It was like striking a match. Intense and hot, but short-lived and ultimately unsustainable. Orgasm number two, mid-transition, a.k.a. bait and switch. In March of 2015, I started hormone therapy to begin my transition into womanhood. And this is a fancy way of saying I started shoving as much estrogen in my body as was safe while telling my testicles to cut it out. (laughs) After... After about six or seven months, I received one of the most glorious gifts a trans girl ever receives, absurdly sensitive nipples. My theory is they felt about as sensitive as a clitoris during the peak of hormone production in puberty, if that gives you any idea. Even the slightest accidental graze would render me a quivering puddle. I'll demonstrate. (sighs) Fun, right? But nothing in this world is free. My newfound source of pleasure came at the cost of the sensation I was accustomed to in my cock. It was still fun and usable, but much, much less sensitive. Fortunately, the power within my breasts was sometimes so strong that I could come from just nipple play alone, provided somebody else was steering the ship. If I was alone, however, I hung in this frustrating middle ground. I didn't have full access to my new toys, and my old toy was less fun. And unfortunately, at this time, I was alone quite often. You see, a few short months after I began hormone therapy, Jane did the same in the opposite direction and became John. Dealing with the trials of your own transition is difficult and confusing. Navigating a relationship with two people in transition was completely crazy. (laughs) Things came to a head when we noticed an unexpected consequence of swapping genders. Our sexual orientations began to change. Before transition, we were both pansexuals, open to any and all forms of attraction. But then we found ourselves more consistently drawn to our new respective genders and less interested in each other's. A distance grew between us, and that distance bred resentment, which in turn led to the end of our relationship right around my one-year mark on hormones. 
I didn't have a defined sense of my sexuality outside of that relationship, which made exploring my newfound sexuality difficult and frightening. Still, alone or not, I had mounting physical needs. I wasn't going to just give up masturbating because it was challenging. <laughs> so I stuck to my old habits. I threw on some porn and then hit another unexpected side effect of transition. Images and videos stopped turning me on for the most part. I had heard many women were like this, less aroused by pictures and videos than men, but I assumed it was a cultural phenomenon, something to do with how we're raised today. Yet there I was, completely disinterested, watching videos that just a year ago would have had me coming in minutes if I wanted. Annoyed and still quite horny, I turned to a girl's best friend, deliciously smutty erotica. Voila, we're back in business. <laughs> But again, everything has a cost, and this one was the worst. As I got hard, my cock pulsed with a deep internal pain and not the fun kind. If you're as confused as I was, allow me to give a quick biology lesson. It turns out morning wood is not just some random funny thing that happens to inconvenience male bodies. It actually serves an important bodily function. It keeps your penis in shape. The, penis the muscles in the penis require regular erections in order to keep from atrophying. When you slow testosterone production, morning wood stops happening, and the responsibility of these regular cock workouts falls on you. But of course, another side effect of less testosterone is a reduced sex drive, making regular masturbation more of a chore than a pleasure. Now all I have to do is miss one too many days of these regular masturbation workouts, and getting hard becomes painful. But I would not relent. I had a need. It would be sated, damn it. So I ignored the pain. I read and I stroked and I moaned over and over until I finally reached the edge. I would build and build and build, aiming my cock at my chest and face and push and push until I reached the edge and nothing. I mean, I would have an orgasm. I would cross the edge, but it felt like tripping over a hill rather than the typical skydive of a regular male orgasm. My chest also remained disappointingly clean. I had discovered the final sexual downside to transition. Penile orgasms lose much of their intensity and ejaculation all but vanishes. So, while cleanup is infinitely easier now, I can't help but feel a tad undefiled at the end of every penile orgasm, left wanting of that feeling, that reminder of how filthy I am. I have to take it on faith now. <laughs> Orgasm number three, recent, a.k.a. blessing. I don't know about y'all, but 2016 was one brutal fucking year. <sighs> God, I split up with John after six long years, completely dissolving the way I envisioned my future since high school. I was let go from my job just two weeks after signing on to a more expensive lease. I finished my graduate program, which sounds nice, but amid all of this other uncertainty just made me feel more afraid than relieved. 2016 seemed hellbent on burning my life to a crisp, so I did the only thing I could. I rose from the ashes. I did my best to create a comfortable home with my two new roommates. I began redefining myself through new hobbies and pursuits. I forced myself to utilize my new degree and apply for professional positions within my field despite my intense doubts about getting any. Somehow it all paid off. 
All of my struggles to escape the toxicity of my past life culminated in me landing my current job, which I love very much. Finally, I felt like some semblance of an adult, confused and lost, but able to stand on my own two feet. I was experiencing an awakening, but I didn't yet appreciate the full weight of that, and I wouldn't until what happened next. Immediately after accepting the job offer, I left for a camping festival with boundless joy, relief, and enthusiasm from finally having found some stability. This happiness was reflected back to me through loving compliments and warm hugs from so many beautiful, jubilant people. I felt capable, safe, confident, supported, everything I hadn't felt so keenly since those early years with Jane, my first love. So on the Saturday of that weekend, in the early afternoon, I was blissfully unaware of what was about to occur. I walked into my friend's camper to get some money for ice. As I entered, I stopped in front of the mirror to take a second and appreciate myself, naked but for some jewelry and shoes. I thought about the person staring back at me, the intense and drastic changes she had undergone in just a year and a half. I'd struggled with feeling detached from my body my whole life, always appreciating it only from afar or simply as a tool. For once, I recognized it as an integral, beautiful part of who I now was and of the life ahead of me. And that was all it took. One single conscious moment of self-love. Then it hit me. A rippling wave of sexual pleasure erupted and crashed across my entire body. I let out a shudder and faltered, reaching out to a ledge to stabilize myself. I had felt these bursts of arousal before, these mini-orgasms, if you will, but never were they so strong. And unlike the ones that came before, this one made me breathe. And I mean really breathe, like it was all I could do, like... <sighs> It was like I had just finished making love, and I realized later it was because I had to myself. Not in this simple, jacking-off kind of way that I was used to, but in a genuinely self-affirming, accepting, loving kind of way. And the payoff was explosive. I breathed, and I breathed, and I breathed, and it only got stronger. My breath turned to moans, and the muscles in my bodies were sent into convulsions. My legs shook, and I let out a cry of pleasure to no one but myself. This was happening. I was having the most intense orgasm of my life. And then I got hard, insanely hard. No porn, no touching, just me and my thoughts swirling in a pool of sexual delight. I couldn't even sense any pain, my brain too overloaded with emotional and physical love. Finally, it reached a peak. I panted and moaned louder and louder until I felt electricity coursing through my veins. I felt every drop of blood in my body become infused with every positive feeling in the world. My cock vibrated, literally vibrated with heat and passion and ecstasy. I was not myself in that moment. I wasn't even a person. I was pleasure and love, pure and incarnate. For that minute, just that long, sweet, divine minute, love was all that I knew, and everything was beautiful. When I finally came down, I had only one response. I laughed. <laughs> I laughed so hard that I cried, and the tears pouring down my cheeks just made me laugh more. I laughed and cried like that for the rest of the weekend, and now I want to laugh and cry like that for the rest of my life. Thank you. Yeah.
Bed Piss Confessions is produced by Julie Gillis, Mia Martina, and Sadie Smythe. Audio production is by Ian Danskin. You don't have to attend a show to confess. With our confession scroller, you can confess with us anytime on our site at bedpostconfessions.com. Also pick up a copy of our anthology, Bed Piss Confessions, Real Sex, Real People, Real Stories, which features 35 stories and hundreds of audience confessions. Bed Piss Confessions, the anthology, found on Amazon in print and ebook. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, and if you have a sec, please help bring Bedpiss Confessions to more people by rating the podcast. You know how it works. More ratings and reviews equals higher podcast ranking equals more confessions. Thanks for your support, and until next time, we will leave you with a few other confessions from the audience. All right, I confess, I hate the scenes in porn when the male shoves his hard cock in a woman's mouth and begins to fuck her mouth. However, I love when it's done to me in real life. (laughs) I confess, if you get stage fright with the golden shower, just pee in a glass and pour. Wait, that's so smart. Recipient did not mind, they say. I confess, one of my favorite tasks was sending my submissive to H-E-B. You have me right there. (laughs) That's it. That's kind of all that I need. I love that. Okay, but there's more. I laid out a treasure map, and she checked out uh, with only an organic cucumber and condoms. So then she had to ask the checker where the nearest bathroom was, in which she was tasked to masturbate and video it for me. Yeah. Hashtag best ask ever. I confess, the older I get, the happier I come. I confess, I once dated a married couple just for the novelty's sake. She was nearly pregnant, and he wanted to be fucked with a strap-on. In the morning, I played Dora the Explorer with their two-year-old, and then we ate pancakes together as a family. Hooray for polyamory. Come on. It's so novel, all these things. (laughs) Novelty's sake. Dora the Explorer takes on a whole new frame. (laughs) 